Welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster. And Real Life Moms is all about real conversations about real parenting issues that parents deal with every day. Our mission is to connect moms and to continue talking about these topics in our Real Life Moms Facebook group, where we would love for you to be part of this community. Today, I invited my friend, Amy Shrebnik, to share a story about her opportunity to move abroad. Let's find out, would you do it again? What were the pros and cons? All about to happen here on Real Life Moms. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Real Life Moms. Hi, Lisa. Nice to talk to you. So I wanted you to come on the show today because you did something really cool with your family. Your husband came home one day from work, I think, and said, hey, we have a really good opportunity to live abroad. And you were like, yes, I will pick up my family and go abroad. Was that what you were like when he came home? Or were you a little bit more <laughs> nervous than I'm putting out there? <laughs> no, well, we had talked about it for a couple of years that we wanted to move to Europe at some point. And then I guess, I guess he did come home one day and said, oh, there's this job opportunity in Paris. What do you think? I'm like, oh, that sounds, you know, that sounds interesting. At least it's in Europe. And I don't think you can be too picky. But then from when he actually said that, I think it took about a year, almost a year and a half before the job actually came to fruition, because there's so many things that you have to take care of that you agree to this, but then it actually takes longer before it, um, it happened. But it was actually for us, it was really perfect timing because our son was just about the following year he was going to be in kindergarten. And where we were living in Manhattan, the school system um, was not so great in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we would have either had to move to the suburbs or move to Paris. Oh, so, well, that's, a, that's a big, that's a big <laughs> if, you know, <laughs> jump there. Right. So then it became a no brainer as far as yeah. like, okay, am I going to get stuck in the suburbs or can I move right. to Paris? So you're, Okay. So your son was starting kindergarten. So that's probably like five right and mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. How well he was four at the time so it was we time. found out probably at the beginning of when he was four okay and how old was your daughter at the time uh she must have been like around two so I guess in some ways that's good time you know you know my husband and he would run at the opportunity to head Mm -hmm. anywhere out of the country. And as much as I like adventure, I feel that uprooting the kids um, and just even your job, my job, like what what would Mm -hmm. I do is Mm -hmm. scary for me. Now, I know you had a career, you have a career, you're a physical therapist, you know, how is that leaving what you do? Because it's not like you could just go and work there. Right? Well, that was a big decision. But it wasn't as big a decision because things just happened to fall into place Mm -hmm. in the sense that um, I was working like pretty part time doing home care. Mm -hmm. So I knew, you know, that wasn't so so many hours. And then I was also doing some teaching at a at a college. But it turned out that like almost when I was thinking of moving, that program was being discontinued. So it was almost like as if everything was aligning. Mm. For me, learning a new language was was one of my dreams since I've been, I don't know how old. So to me, this was like, oh, we can fulfill my dream. Yeah. And so your kids are two and four, almost five. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what were their thoughts? How did they feel about moving? Or were they just so young that they didn't fully grasp what was going to happen? You know, I realize now they totally didn't grasp what was going to (laughs) happen. And and my son has some special needs. So at the time, he was seeing like a PT, an OT, a speech therapist, whoever. And we, and I had a babysitter for when I would work. 
And thank goodness these people were really good because when I said to them, I, they said, you need to make him a book mm -hmm. to tell him that we're leaving. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's really stressful because I'm trying to pack up the house. So luckily the babysitter that we had, she just put together this whole book for him. Mm. And she, she even got pictures because also we didn't know where we were living mm -hmm. until maybe four weeks before we left or three weeks. So she, we had pictures of the actual house that we were, or the apartment that we were going to stay in until we found an apartment. She took a picture off the internet of like the bed and different things and saying, okay, and we're moving to here. But mm -hmm. when I spoke to my son years later, he actually told me, he said, you know, mom, I really thought we were going on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so despite all this book and whatever, he goes, well, I thought we were just going on a long vacation. Yeah. So um, my daughter, no problem whatsoever. She was hysterical. She, she, you know, didn't have that many words in English. She had, she had words. I don't know if she had sentences or just was getting sentences when she left. And she literally was just speaking French in an, in her own way, not the actual language, but would just be mm -hmm. making the sounds of the French people to the French kids in the play, playground and she had no idea why they didn't understand her you know and she had the personality of like even when someone corrected her in french when she was in school she'd be like oh no no you don't know what you're talking about i'm wrong no this is the way it is so she was very lucky yeah I, I, that makes sense i mean being two it's almost like the perfect time right you're developing language just yeah. kids play without even needing to talk so that's probably perfect yeah no, it actually was the most perfect time because I could see a big difference in the way the two of them learn language. Mm -hmm. Because she, at the time when she started or when we moved, she was probably two, two and a half or so. She never um, associated the English word with the French word. If we would say to her, do you want jus de pomme? She would mm -hmm. say no. And then if we would say, do you want apple juice, which is the same thing. She, oh, yes, yes, I want apple juice. Like she made no translation whatsoever. Whereas my son was making translation for a good year or so before mm -hmm. it became nothing he had to translate him by rote. So right. there was a huge difference. And even the teachers had something to say because they were like, wow, look at the difference. This girl is just talking and talking and talking. And my son wasn't going to say anything until he really knew what he had, you know, how to say yeah. it. Yeah. So going back to the language, okay, so because nobody mm -hmm. spoke French, right? Nobody spoke French in your family. Is that correct? I took a little bit of French in school. Okay. So I knew a couple of words here and there, but really, really couldn't put a sentence together. And the, and you were the only one in your family that knew any? Yeah, and, and I had actually started about, I guess, about a month or so before we were going to move, maybe a little longer. I started to take some private lessons. This was going to be um, a big undertaking. Yeah, yeah, especially with not knowing their language. How did you get by? I mean, how did, how did you learn the language? What I mean, they mm -hmm. say you go and you immerse yourself, but I mean, if you really know nothing, yeah. how, how did everybody learn? Okay. Well, well, the kids, we did start them with something called Muzzy or something. We They listened to this. Um, it was like a BBC French show for kids. They listened to it a little bit before we moved. I don't think it did anything, but they did listen to it. It does sort of teach you some French, but I don't think it did a thing. It took a long time because actually the my husband's work, he was very lucky because he was at the headquarters. If he walked into a room, everybody had to speak English. Okay. And then, and then his work basically offered him French lessons. 
And then they offered me to go to Alliance Francaise. And I was like, I well, this I sounds... Know, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> okay, that, that's... A, to a, sorry, no, to the, a French uh, school. French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he went, they said, you can go to this French school. And I said, well, that sounds really fantastic. But I have kids. Yeah. And I can't leave the kids to go to French school. We were lucky in one way. Well, in a big way, actually. My husband's father is from Belgium originally. Mm-hmm. So it just so happened that someone in my husband's family was living out right outside of Paris. Mm-hmm. So she was the sweetest because where she lived in Belgium, they speak French. So she met us when we first came in, you know, off the plane or whatever. She met us the day after. And it was just so wonderful to have somebody who not only speaks English, but also speaks French. So she was very helpful for us because when we had to have a meeting with school for the first time, because we decided to put our kids in public school, mm-hmm. so they weren't going to have anybody in the school that spoke English because we wow. specifically, we specifically picked a, an area, you know, a, a suburb. I mean, not a suburb because um, it was right in Paris, but we picked an area where there weren't a lot of expats because mm-hmm. both of us had discussed it and said, look, we don't want to live in an area where we're going to talk to people in English. Like we're here to learn French. So I think that was different from us than other people that I knew that came over mm-hmm. was that both of us were very committed that we were going to learn French and we were going to give our kids that experience. We were just going to immerse ourselves in with people that speak French and not speak English. If I could plan it again, I highly recommend moving like somewhere toward the end of the year or whatever, right. because then because we, we kind of took the stress off of us to say, look, they're going to do, you know, whatever they can in school now. And then during the summer, we're going to try to get them an experience so that they can be mixed with with French kids and learn some more French. So my son was allowed to start for half a day, I think, for the first week and for some time until he got used to it. And then finally, they were willing to take my daughter for, I don't know, a half a day or a full day. But that that helped me French-wise because I said to my husband's work, you know, I'd really like to go to French school, but there's no way I can do it. Like, I can't be home in time for my kids. I, I can't. They only can go half a day. So his work was amazing. Mm. They They eventually said, oh, well, you can have the private lessons then. Wow. Which make all the difference in the world. So then because my husband's amazing too, I said to him, once I went to my private lessons, I thought, oh, now this is incredible. And I dedicated myself whenever they were at school, you know, to studying. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, I only had a certain amount of hours, maybe 60 hours or 50 hours. So I said to my husband, I said, okay, look, you know, I won't say anything, but can I sit through your lesson too? So he was like, okay, you can do that. And I wouldn't say a thing. And I would (laughs) kind of laugh as he was doing his French lesson, because, you know, she tried to do past tense and say, what did you do last weekend? And I see him trying to think about what we did and what are you going to do this weekend? And Mm -hmm. he, we had no plans because we're not planners. And that helped me. Like, I I feel like when I had that, um, the hardest things were like the, you know, dealing with the kids in school because the teachers didn't speak any English. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, someone bit my kid and it's, it's a different, and it's a different culture. Yeah. The teacher said that, you know, biting isn't, isn't something the French do, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. She's like, well, you know, they're kids. That's what you can expect. Oh. And I was like, oh. and I was like, oh, well. <laughs> and so instead, I took the approach of I, I talked to the, you know, to the, you know, the principal and just said, this happened, you know, and it'd be really good if it doesn't happen again, somehow. And I, as far as language wise, I'm looking up all the words, you know, to tell her. And so, you know, oh, you know, this, 
she got bitten. And I said, you know, if you could please, you know, watch and make sure she doesn't get bitten again when she's in the courtyard, that would be really nice. Mm -hmm. And so then when I would bring her into school, not that anybody understood me, I would say that I would say to my daughter, okay, well, don't worry. No one's going to bite you today. <laughs> you, know? you would say it in English or in French? Yeah, I would. I think I said it in English. I don't know. But I was just like, I, you know, I figured, I figured if anybody understood, you know, if the teacher understood a little bit, you know, yeah. but, but also, you know, she was quite, she was a little nervous for a day or so, but you know, yeah. Yeah, don't, but, no but, one wants to get bitten. Although it does happen here as well. I mean, when my kid was in preschool, he got bit almost every day to the point that wow. I ended up. Oh yeah, it was bad. We had we had a lot of biters. So I guess I guess we have more biters here than in France. But um, yeah, to the point that I ended up putting um, bug spray on him. Oh, I, and that's smart. Because, because kind of like dogs, right? Like if they bite mm-hmm. into something bitter, then yeah. stop. <laughs> my thing bitten again so I don't know if they changed something in the classroom or he was a smelly kid because he had bug spray on it but either way no biting but so going going to culture what do you how do you Mm -hmm. feel the culture was different and especially with like raising a family um Mm -hmm. and things like that what what was different Um, well I was lucky because the things that were different were the kind of things that were what I wanted so to speak Mm -hmm. Well, so an example would be um, eating. Mm-hmm. Eating is a huge thing there. It is extremely important. It is like the most important thing. And it just, Finn and I are very um, into our food. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing, that's probably one of the highest priorities. So, and the way the French culture is, is there is no asking for things differently. Mm-hmm. When you're given a meal, you eat the meal exactly how it's given to you. You don't ask for no sauce. You don't ask for no dressing. You don't ask for something on the side. There is no, like, because their their way of thinking is the chef um, made it this way because they thought about every ingredient and every ingredient is important to get the experience. And I think for us, because our kids were young, it really wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think, but maybe if kids are older, it could be a problem. And I mean, I do see my kids are now, well, one of them, I would say the older one is much more picky with his food and mm-hmm. wants things a certain way. So he's gotten back to the American way. Mm-hmm. But, but my daughter who was interest, who was introduced to it earlier, she's, she'll try anything. And that's the thing too. Their culture is all about trying new things. Like when I had to start going gluten free, you know, there at some point, People were interested. I went on a vacation with people and someone's like, I'm going to try. It's her birthday. I'm going to try to make a gluten-free cake. Oh, I wonder (laughs) what's this like. And I could use chestnut um, flour and whatever. You know, everybody's interested in food for, there's a book, um, what is it, Bringing Up Bebe or something. And she talks about, it's true, like in the schools, there's a whole organization that that organizes what the kids will eat. And the kids have to eat the same thing at lunch. They're all given a lunch and Mm. it's served to them when they're younger and then later they pick it up. But they're all given the same exact thing and they're not going to get dessert unless they finish a certain amount of their lunch. Mm. And then when they get a dessert, it might be like, you know, an eclair or something really terrific. Mm-hmm. But and they'll talk and they'll like they'll have talks and conferences and say, oh, the kids didn't really like the broccoli so much. So then they'll figure out a way to put broccoli into something else and the kids won't see it. So they're all about getting the kids to try different flavors and to like everything. 
Is this is at school? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's at school. Uh, so, do you but find you know, that that the kids there? I mean, if you had a play date or something like that, that you'd put something out and kids would not be picky because you know here it's very different. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that. No, I can't have that. You know, yeah, we're making never. full on. <clears throat> full-on new dinners for our kids in America, yeah. right? Um, no, yeah, no, never, never. Yeah, and if anything, if, if a kid looked at me because they hadn't had something before, I didn't care. You know, mm-hmm. they would try it or, or, I mean, well, the other thing is they have something special um, where the kids don't really eat in between meals. Mm-hmm. So the only time they eat is at 4.30 and everybody will take a break at 4.30, whether you're an adult or a kid or whatever, to have what they call goûter or dessert. So Mm. if after school you have someone over, you're gonna be responsible for giving them this dessert. But you know, that's where I did get some faces. Like if you put in front of them like fruit or something like that, they kind of looked at you like, really? You know, Mm. because they knew that this was when they were gonna prop, like an example where here I thought all these, you know, this culture eats so healthy. Well, I hear another father saying to the kid, he bought a baguette and Mm -hmm. he stuck some chocolate inside the baguette closed it up and said, here it is, this is to give you strength. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's they they do eat sweets, but they eat everything in moderation. Like I could see the difference between my kids and the French kids. Like they were shocked that my son wanted, you know, three desserts and they would all give him his dessert. I think they thought this was so funny. <laughs> you know, my son liked that when they had eclairs. So when they had eclairs, if he, he ate fun. enough, he could ask for a second. Oh, wow. Um, but his friends liked him and they would, you know, give it to him. When the French do something, like they have what they call um, rules, and they're very strict rules, actually. But um, when they decide to not have a rule, they're very serious about it. Like, so people don't, well, at least at that time, people weren't eating as much candy. And there they have like lots of gummies and things like that. And so the one thing is, if someone has a birthday party, they have, you know, um, bowls around with lots of candy in them. And that's when like, you know, it's time to load up, like, everybody's going to be eating the candy, like bags of candy. And like, that's expected. And that's just like the way it is. So it, it's kind of, it's, it, it's an interesting, you know, it, it's when you're gonna not follow a rule, enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it was kind of like, for the most part, you were only eating, you know, I'm going to say breakfast, lunch and dinner with this 430 little snack in there. Yeah. But during like celebrations or parties or something, then you can kind of go to town with candies. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And but But the thing is, I would I would guess that a party is going to involve being at 430. Ah, because it's that snack time. Because it's that time. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And they have like, I won't go into detail, but they have a very specific um, way that they do parties. Mm -hmm. So like I had, I had a French teacher for the kids at one point to help after school a little bit. And that person and I had a lesson so I could learn like, what did I need to do for this party? Or was it my own private teacher at the time? Actually, we went through like, okay, this is what's expected. Like they're going to come and they're going to want this and they're going to want that. And then, you know, it was like the party had to, a certain way and it wasn't a fancy party at all nobody had fancy parties but it was more that like you know you needed to play games with them and there were certain games they were used to so you had to do those Mm, you know they 
the the kids had to open up their gifts at the party and thank wow. the person, give them a hug, give them a kiss. No thank you cards. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. kind of was, set guidelines, not necessarily rules, but guidelines that were. Expected. That's exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. all about the guidelines. Like, and they, you know, they, they expect that these guidelines are followed. What other things did you notice about like kid raising um, that may be different than America? But I just think of like America, we are so on our kids. You know, I feel like we're kind of mm. helicopter mm -hmm. parents. We're always hovering. Yeah. Do you feel like that is different over there than it is here? Or is it oh, yeah. It is. Huge. What, huge. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Um, I would bring my kids to the park and you would see like the kids would go in the playground or this the sand area there because they had a lot of sand. Um, and the parents wouldn't be at the park looking at the kids. Mm -hmm. the parents would be like you know quite a bit away like having discussions and having a little picnic with their friends or whatever that the parents weren't the parents didn't take part like you know mm -hmm. I, I can't think of what like when they were young you know you might climb with them or yeah do stuff with them and they didn't do that like it wasn't that kind of a thing yeah so it's so a more more kind of independent play and more peer-to-peer play instead of having yeah. your parent necessarily be the playmate because i do Absolutely. feel a lot of times when the kids are younger even now i mean sometimes my kids seem bored and i'm like okay what do you want to do you know as if i'm and my kids are teens and i'm still asking them mm -hmm. do you look bored you know um not yeah. being their playmate they kind of were more independent first of all how long were you there because I, I don't remember how long yeah we lived there for five years wow five years that's a long time yeah yeah. yeah, by the fifth year, like, I would say we started talking about leaving it, like, maybe four and a half years. And by the time we hit five years, I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to go now. Because I think five years is this big mark of when you're starting to, you just feel immersed in it, and you're really not having such difficulties anymore. Right. You got the language, got the culture down. Yeah. So since moving back, what... What have you stayed with that you really enjoyed as part of their culture that maybe you've kept? I'm pretty vigilant about my meals. You know, we, we eat on a separate table. Like we have two tables in the house. One is mm -hmm. a glass, like a glass table near the kitchen that people have breakfast because then you can leave out quick. Mm -hmm. But um, but as far as my um, my dinners, I have them on a separate table, you know, in a totally different area. There's there's really nothing to look at but the table. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't really, I sometimes I'll give in ever so often, but I don't really allow this. Um, I guess an example would be my son doesn't like these meatballs that I make. And I still make them because everybody else likes them. And so he has to eat them, maybe not as many as us, and then he can have something else as well. But that never would have, that, you know, so so I'm a, I've given in a little bit mm -hmm. in in. in in uh, France, I never would have given into that. It's, you know, there is no choice. This is what you have. When your kids came back, they were, they were much older. I'm like really thinking of this. It's like, you know, yeah. two and like four or so. Um, and then they mm -hmm. come back at like seven and 10. That's huge. That's such a big um, shift yeah. of age and phases. Yeah. So, okay. Two questions. One, um, were they able to come back and just kind of re- immerse into the lifestyle here which they hadn't been in really or even known um i think i had a really hard time i really i became very depressed i think they also had a hard time but it wasn't quite as hard for them 
Yeah, I think that I was so nervous about them knowing English because really they hadn't learned to read in English until maybe a year or two before. I think my daughter learned the year before we moved and my son started two years before we moved, I think. Mm-hmm. Where they just started to learn how to read once a week in Right. in France Yeah. Mm in -hmm. English. But I had been reading with them every night in English. I was like really crazy about that. And I spoke English with them. And you spoke, right? So they were speaking English in the house, maybe? Yeah. Or, yeah, and Yeah. out in Just school, in the they house. would speak French. Yeah, so that helped, Right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if a friend came over, I was speaking French with the friend. I wasn't going to speak any English. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, so they got it when my husband and I were home. Um, but it was, it was a huge, like I said, I don't think it was as big for them. It was hard for me because I was used to a city and all of a sudden I was in a suburb. I'd never lived in a house before. We were renting a house. When you came Um, back, you rented yeah, a house. Okay. yeah, Yeah. yeah. And we, we had picked a school district, but we didn't really know if it was going to be good or not, Mm -hmm. you know, if it would be a good fit for us or not. Um, because I had never been out of a city in my life. Um, Well, and neither have they, right? I mean, right, right, so they, it must have been kind of hard. right. And, and I'm also thinking, so this is my second part of the question is, you know, as they're older, so when you moved there, they were younger, they were at good ages, they weren't really in school. So you weren't like taking them away from all these friends and their school and what they're used to. Yeah. But actually on the way back, you were, right? Yes. So Yeah. was that actually a harder transition when they knew they had they were leaving France? Because they kind of technically grew up there. Yeah, no, it was it was much harder for everybody, I'd say, except for my husband. But it was much harder for everybody moving back. Yeah. I mean, the one thing they were excited to be with was they were excited to see their family because my husband has a huge family. Mm-hmm. So they were very excited to see their family. And we stayed with my mother-in-law for a month, I think, while we were looking for places. So they were they were happy with that. My son was happy with a lot of things at school because in the French school system, you weren't given so much attention. Like you had to do what you were supposed to do and that was it, you know? Mm Where here, like his first comment was, oh my God, they have a nurse in the school. Like -hmm. when Oh. I get hurt, I can, you know, I can see the nurse. The nurse not like in the next building and, You know, he felt, you know, he felt very um, cared for, but given much more attention. Um, but that said, you know, he was coming into fifth grade, which is kind of a hard grade to come into because it's the last grade in elementary school. Mm. Right. And all the kids knew each other and he was Yeah. just coming in. So that was really hard for him. My daughter, she it's just the luck of the drawer. Like she was going into third grade. She happened to have like an amazing teacher and someone in the class, like things to think about. Like if you have someone moving from another country into your class, like to invite to invite them over is really nice. And someone actually did that where she invited all the kids in her class over her house, which right away, my daughter felt cared for that way, Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, welcome. you know? Yeah. It is hard Yeah. to fit in, especially, I mean, I could see how your son would have a harder time. Fifth grade is much more difficult than third grade um, to fit in. Yeah. But yeah, I that's a great recommendation for parents who, whether they're going to another country or having another kid from another country enter their class, their kid's Right, or class, someone moves you can invite to your town. them. Yeah, and be in, yeah, invite them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the the person that's moving, so stressed out trying to like make a home that when somebody, you know, then calls you and invites you or something, it's it just makes all the difference. It makes it easier for the kids because the kids like they'll be fine as long as they like 
can find somebody that is nice to them. Yeah. I, I mean, that is universal. Kids want to play, yeah. right? So that's the one mm-hmm. that's nice about younger kids, at least. It's universal. They, you know, you, hey, you want to play in the sandbox? Yeah, let's go play yeah. in the sandbox. You don't need a lot of yeah. language, right? Mm-mm. So would you, looking back to so being here now, looking back at what you've done, would you have made the same choice? I definitely would have gone there. I definitely would have stayed for at least five years. I think I might have stayed longer. Mm-hmm. We were afraid to stay longer because um, we were afraid of the whole learning English thing. I spent a lot of energy worrying that they wouldn't be able to catch up in English. Mm-hmm. And that just was not the issue. So they caught knew- up really easily, is what you're saying. They did catch up pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be honest. You know, my daughter catched up really easily. My son has some difficulties. So, mm-hmm. you know, for him, you know, it doesn't go as easily. Okay. Um, but that was also one of my reasons for moving back, because I felt that here we have much more, um, like, special services than yeah, we have more there. In- interventions yeah right but actually what i found out later as you were leaving was they did have interventions i just didn't really know about them Mm -hmm. which is why it's like when you do move somewhere to to really research even more what's available to you yeah which is hard when it's in another language and it's very hard you know and you're trying to even just discuss things with teach i mean teachers could have probably recommended stuff for your son is what Mm -hmm. i would have thought um but mm-hmm. you know when you don't fully understand the language and you're still learning is um, yeah. probably less of a you know ability to fully communicate those needs or for the teacher to know that your son needed those needs knowing that French was not his first language and he was just trying to figure it out exactly and I think that's what that brought a lot of gray areas into things mm-hmm. you know because we decided to do some testing before we came home because we figured it's cheaper in France which it is Mm-hmm. So um, we had him do some testing, but it was in English. And at the time, we're like, well, how valid is this now? Because this is not, you know, he's bilingual now. He's not just English. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of things that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. And also the way the teachers talk, they might have said something, oh, he has his head in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Or he's very, and I'm like, oh, well, that's wonderful. He's very, you know, imaginative. And he, <laughs> you know. Oh, due to interpretation, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, where later, years later, I'm like, oh, head maybe the they cloud. were saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Maybe they were saying things, yeah. So, I mean, I guess. I guess if if you're not shy and you can find and you can pay somebody to do some translations sometime, that's probably helpful. Right. Oh, and um, they now have Google Translate, right? Oh, that's that, right. Google. So now you can press your phone and, and ask them, you know, say something. Oh, translate. Yes. So that would have been helpful. Oh, that's huge. That's so huge. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it has developed. So maybe you'll need to go back eventually. <laughs> No, I would I would move back there in a heartbeat to tell you the truth. So if you could give advice to mm-hmm. any parent who is maybe in this situation or just really wants to make a life change, um, mm-hmm. what would be your biggest advice for them? I would say do it if you want to do it. You both have to be really into it. Both meaning because, you and your spouse. And your, and your spouse or your partner. Mm-hmm. Because I saw so many couples break up mm. going over. And oftentimes what it would be that I would see is that like the, the husband happened to be French and then the wife was American, but the wife didn't really want to move. And so there was all this tension 
where it's like you both have to go in there and just laugh at things and say and just enjoy it mm -hmm. as much as you can and and as much you know to you you can't make you can't say I'm doing this for somebody else. It has to be that you both want to do it. That's that's because, good. Yeah, I can hear that because I think it sounds like as much as it's an amazing experience for yourself and your family, it's a very stressful experience. And if you're already very, going in doing very. it for somebody else and not for yourself, there's probably a lot of resentment of what you've left behind. Yeah. yeah. And, well, also because if it's a change, like someone had said to me, oh, it was such a change for me because she lived in the suburbs and now she was going to the city. Where mm -hmm. for me, I said, well, people said, oh, how is it for you? I'm like, well, I just lived in a really big city and now it's like going to a little small city. I'm like, it's pretty nice actually mm -hmm. you know it's really clean so it was it was different and I also think that um because I mean I would say like when I came back it's not like we both were kind of well I, I don't know who wanted to come back more than the other like I think by the time I came back I just think either way if you move across realize that when you come back that's going to be the hardest time and I've heard mm -hmm. that across the board that going there, it's not as hard because you're going for this adventure. You're, you know, you're going to check things out. You're going to see new things that you've never thought before. You're going to laugh at this and laugh at that and whatever else. But when you come back, you're changed. Mm. And you have to kind of, sit, like, it took me a long time to not be annoyed with, with different eating things here. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, what is this? Everybody just buys pizza all the time. Like, what's going on here? You know, mm -hmm. like you just, you've changed, you know, you have to be willing to, to recognize that there's certain, I guess you, like you said, now I'll be thinking about like, what, what, what I kept from there and what haven't I, because, but then it's true after a few years, then you usually are back to where you were before ish. Right. You kind of mold into wherever you are. Right. So it's like, yeah. you have all these experience and you come you know, back and then eventually it seems to fade. So yeah, I think it's important to think about all the things you've learned and mm -hmm. keeping those things, you know, with you and incorporating mm -hmm. them into even being here because that's why you went in the first place. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I have to, but I will say it's kind of funny now that you say that because I happen to have been very lucky after I was there for, I don't know, a year or whatever it was, I ended up, someone told me about an international group and I mm -hmm. ended up like join this group. And it just so happens that in my own town now, I I would say three quarters of the people I know are from other countries. Mm, you kind of, yeah, you kind of seek them out now that you've lived yeah. abroad for a while. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're and craving say, the culture. And well, I think like they, they have this like thing at the American library in, pa in Paris. And they said like, they, I guess they told you like what to be aware of with your kids. And they said, you know, you're going to find that your kids are going to end up finding some kids that have lived in other countries or have other cultures or whatever else. And it's true. Well, Amy, thank you so much for telling me about your experience. I mean, this was, I mean, it was such an adventure for you and I hope you do eventually move, maybe not even back there, another adventure. And <laughs> maybe, maybe when my husband decides to say, Hey, let's go live in wherever I'll say, sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show today. It was so nice to hear Amy's story about moving abroad. It was really inspiring to take such a big opportunity and learn a new language and immerse yourself in the culture. And it's just so interesting how coming back to the States was almost more difficult than actually going over to France. 
please visit us on our Facebook group so we can continue talking about this conversation or any other parenting conversation. And don't forget to follow Real Life Moms so you don't miss an episode.